Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon. Welcome aboard. We'll begin with that other war, the war between Russia and Ukraine. And in case you forgot, that war is still going on. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky at the White House today, pleading for billions more in U.S. aid. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says if the GOP doesn't go along with that aid request... Republicans would be giving Vladimir Putin the best gift he could ask for. Republicans say if that aid is granted, they want something in return. Here's reporter Ed O'Keefe. Republicans have said, if the White House really wants this, then we want something as well. And the something they want is the issue of immigration and border security. Ohio Senator J.D. Vance calls Zelensky's trip a PR stunt designed to pressure the GOP to give up their fight at the southern border and write another blank check for Ukraine. Zelensky comes to town and demands the American taxpayer gives him another $61 billion. And oh, by the way, if you want to secure your border first, you are actually a Putin puppet. He said this publicly. I think it's disgraceful. I think it's grotesque. This is Zelensky's third trip to Washington since the war with Russia started nearly three years ago. Now to the war in the Middle East. On day 67 of that war, Israel's defense minister, Yoav Galat, says... Israel will take any measures in order to destroy Hamas, but we have no intention to stay permanently in Gaza Strip. The Israeli military now controls the main square of Gaza City as it continues to root out and destroy Hamas. The Israeli military released new videos said to show troops advancing further into southern Gaza, a house-by-house battle of urban warfare. Correspondent Charlie Daggett, 20% of young people in this country are Holocaust deniers. One in five think the extermination of the Jews during World War II was a myth. Former White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer. My mother came to this great country in August of 1939. She just beat the Nazis when they invaded Poland. She fled the Nazis and got out just in time. I have hardly any relatives left on my mother's side because very few came with her. Yeah, the Holocaust was real. Former Congressman Daryl Issa blames the rise in Holocaust deniers on political indoctrination at American universities. College campuses have created a norm that some things are allowed because the liberal left likes them, and some things are not allowed because conservative thought or pro-America likes them. That's got to end. Time the future of Harvard's president seems secure, despite alumni pulling massive amounts of money. 700 faculty members are supporting Claudine Gay. She refused to say in testimony before Congress whether calls for the genocide of the Jews would violate Harvard's code of conduct. Under Claudine Gay's leadership of the last three months, there has been an almost complete destruction of Harvard's reputation, the loss of more than $1 billion in donations. So I'm confused as to why people ask me why I think that she should resign, as opposed to me asking them, why should she stay? Chavez Kestenbaum is a second-year graduate student at Harvard. The U.S. Supreme Court's agreed to decide if Donald Trump can be prosecuted for actions he took while president. Reporter Robert Costa. Trump's team now have until December 20th to respond before the high court weighs in if they do it all. All of this, of course, is going to take place as the Republican presidential race heats up next spring. Special counsel Jack Smith wants the immunity question 
question settled before Trump's election interference trial starts in Washington. That trial could start as soon as March. Shock poll in Michigan. The CNN survey out today. Has Donald Trump up 10 points over President Biden in that battleground state? Trump also enjoys about a 50-point lead over his Republican rivals going into the Iowa caucuses. Congress could vote tomorrow on whether to launch an impeachment inquiry into President Biden for his alleged role in his son Hunter's business ventures overseas. Republican Tony Gonzalez of Texas says why stop at Biden? He thinks others in the Biden cabinet need to get the old heave-ho. Line them up. Let's line them up and impeach them one at a time. I mean, I've, I've I've had enough. Gonzalez says Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas should be the first to go for failing, in his opinion, to secure the southern border. There's trouble in Toyland. Toymaker Hasbro is cutting 1,100 jobs, or 20% of its workforce. Hasbro makes Monopoly, Play-Doh, and My Little Pony toys. Still to come on the Noon Report for Tuesday, making chips in New York State, homeschooling by the numbers, and blowing the whistle on racism. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams tracking a cold front that'll deliver a couple of rain or snow showers later today. I'll have forecast details coming up in 10 minutes. All right, we'll see you then. Thank you, Kevin. It's a hold on to your hat sort of day. Downwind of Lake Erie, those winds could gust to 50 miles per hour in northern Erie, Niagara, and Genesee counties. A wind advisory in effect till 6 tonight in the far reaches of western New York. Meantime, in the Tug Hill Plateau, it is snow they're talking about. Four to eight inches possible by tomorrow in Oswego County. State of emergency continues in Oneonta, New York, following that deadly home explosion over the weekend. The blast killed a 60-year-old man, Oneonta resident Mike Jacob. I heard a loud bang, like a shockwave pushed me forward into the garage, and I was stunned, and I kind of came out, and I saw flames in the sky, and I walked out to the street, and I saw fire in the road, and I thought, a car just exploded on the street, and then I realized it was so much more than that. More than 40 homes were impacted by that blast in Oneonta. The explosion was heard from 40 miles away. Hard to believe. A rupture gas line by a private contractor cut the heat last night to more than 150 homes in Niagara Falls. Those homes had no heat or hot water for several hours. The sizable outage caused the Red Cross to open up a warming shelter for all those affected homeowners. The 19-year-old Cuba, New York native who was paralyzed in a car crash because of a drunk driver has now died. Gabby Kranick was struck in September of last year in Portville in a crash that also claimed the life of one of her friends. The former gymnast was a member of the Cuba Rushford High School basketball team. The 21-year-old driver who killed her sentenced to just two to seven years. Pennsylvania House Republicans have unveiled a series of bills aimed at combating anti-Semitism at school. Here's Representative Aaron Coffer. I can't believe I have to stand here at a podium in 2023 to tell people this, but anti-Semitism is wrong. The GOP wants to designate acts of anti-Semitism as harassment and bullying under Pennsylvania state law. The bill also mandates curriculum transparency in Holocaust education. Representative Kristen Marcel. Teaching about the Holocaust is not just about learning history. It is about safeguarding democratic values and promoting a more just and tolerant society. As mentioned earlier, a new poll out shows one in five young people in this country today believe the Holocaust is a myth. Pro 
lifers point out that in Pennsylvania this year, half of all the abortion facilities failed at least one health inspection. This news comes as Governor Shapiro acts to cut funding to more than 80 pregnancy care centers across the Commonwealth. In just a few weeks, the minimum wage will be going up in New York to 15 bucks an hour. Governor Hochul says that's not all. Going forward in the future, we'll be indexing the minimum wage for the first time ever to inflation so families can finally start getting ahead, which is so important to all of us. The rate change kicks in January 1st, and Hochul says if your check doesn't change, then you need to let the state know. The Department of Labor is launching a public relations campaign to make sure that people know that if their paycheck does not go up and they're minimum wage earners, they need to report that because there could be incidences of wage theft. Minimum wage earners who do not receive the bump in pay can log a wage complaint on the New York State Labor Department website. Pennsylvania lawmakers are back in session in Harrisburg for just a couple more days before they leave town for the year. They hope to tie up some loose ends from the still undone state budget. Everyone's working toward the same goal. Um, unfortunately, it's taken us a little bit longer to get there. I really do hope this week we can come together and, and, and finish it up. Chief among those undone issues is a school choice bill. Republican Representative Joe Dorsey says it's time to use taxpayer dollars to promote school choice in the Commonwealth. It's time for educational choice here and now. It's time to deliver the best possible gift to our kids. The school choice debate has left funding for Pennsylvania's 15 community colleges in limbo. 230,000 students are enrolled in those colleges. New survey today shows homeschooling in New York has increased by a whopping 178% the past decade. Over that same time period, enrollment in public schools declined by 13%. New York is joining tech giants IBM and Micron in investing $10 billion toward completion of a new state-of-the-art computer chip research facility at the University of Albany. The governor says this will help make New York the semiconductor capital of the world. The world is watching what we're doing here, and we will win the race to become the, net, the global leader in the manufacture and research and development of semiconductors. The 50,000-square-foot nanotech complex at SUNY Albany should be complete by the year 2026. The Bath New York Wreaths Across America event needs your help this weekend in placing wreaths on veterans' graves. The public's invited to the wreath-laying ceremony at the Bath VA at noon on December 16th. Guests will be asked to help lay more than 3,400 wreaths at veterans' graves. If you can help, the Bath VA would love to hear from you. A racially charged social media post forced the postponement of a boys' high school basketball game in Chautauqua County, New York. Silver Creek was supposed to play Dunkirk on Friday night, but the game was called off due to a disturbing online message that targeted Native Americans. Silver Creek Superintendent Dr. Katie Ralston. We spoke with the superintendent and athletic director at Dunkirk and started moving forward with the proper investigation and steps that we felt were necessary just to ensure the overall safety of all of our students and our community members. We didn't know who posted it. What concerned us was that we had students that participated in it by either liking it or commenting on it. Those students and their uh, parents were contacted about how that is inappropriate and uh, really a violation of our code of conduct. That's Dunkirk Superintendent Michael Mansfield, who hasn't said yet when or if the game will be made up. 15% of Silver Creek students 
population is Native American. The incident was handled internally by both schools. There was no police investigation. Let's pause next. Check out your Tuesday sports on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, it was a thrilling end to last night's game in East Rutherford. Green Bay scored a go-ahead touchdown with just over 90 seconds to play, and they went up 22-21 to over the Giants. But the Pack failed to score on their two-point conversion attempt, and that opened the door for Randy Bullock to nail a 37-yard field goal as time expired. New York beat Green Bay 24-22. to The Giants have now won three straight. The Miami Dolphins still in shock over losing to Tennessee. The Titans scored 15 points in the game's final three minutes to come back and beat Miami 28-27. The Dolphins had a chance to tie Baltimore for the best record in the AFC, but that didn't happen with the Titans' first win on the road this season. On the hardwood, the Knicks were tied midway through the fourth quarter with Toronto before going on a 21-11 run. They won at the Garden 136-130. Julius Randle had 34, R.J. Barrett 27 in the victory. Joel Embiid racked up 34 points and 10 rebounds to lead Philadelphia to a convincing 146-101 win over the Wizards. 76ers have now won three straight. The Nets fell to Sacramento 131-118. Other winners in the NBA, the Heat, Pacers, Magic, Nuggets, Rockets, Mavs, Bucks, Pelicans, Thunder, and Clippers. On the ice, the Buffalo Sabres got a goal and two assists from both Kyle Ocpozo and Eric Robinson, and they skated past Arizona 5-2. Paterka, Krebs, and Dolan also found the back of the net for the Sabres. The Islanders won their third straight, an overtime thriller against Toronto 4-3. The Stars and Avs also skated to wins. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy Mann. Still to come on the Noon Report, holiday decorating do's and don'ts. Zelensky in D.C. and contaminated cantaloupe. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look in an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. A new documentary entitled 1946, The Mistranslation That Shifted Culture, claims that a mistranslation of a word in the 1946 Revised Standard Version of the Bible has led to the rampant quote-unquote homophobia that now infects the church today. In the film, a Bible researcher and an author claim that a Greek word found in 1 Corinthians 6-9 should not have been translated homosexuality. Here's the verse, quote, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the film claims that the word translated here, men who practice homosexuality, is a compound Greek word that combines the concept of an effeminate man with sharing a bed with another man. Though that sounds exactly like the definition of homosexuality, scholars in the film assure viewers that the historical context here is being missed and that Paul was actually condemning sexual predation and pederasty rather than homosexuality. 
Now, this claim is not new, nor is it or the film groundbreaking, as some people are claiming. The normalization of homosexuality has long included efforts like this to square the behavior of homosexuality with biblical morality. These efforts have taken various forms, like appealing to the quote-unquote truly loving God who would quote-unquote never require people to deny their desires, or claiming a moral trajectory to the Bible so that prohibitions against homosexuality that once applied no longer do. Now, of course, some simply reject the Bible as no longer relevant to our lives. Others are selective about which parts are and which parts parts aren't, and others employ the strategy of this documentary, of claiming that the scriptures were mistranslated. What's clear here from how often these arguments surface, how quickly they're embraced, and how passionately they're defended, is that many people really, really wish that the Bible said something different about homosexuality than it clearly does. Now, of course, twisting scripture to justify belief and behavior is not new. Still, at no time until now did anyone ever attempt to claim that the Bible did anything but condemn homosexual acts. It's a historical fact that undermines the claim made in the documentary that somehow Christian morality on this point dates back only a few decades. At the same time, this historical consistency exposes just how serious a problem it is when Christians find new assertions so compelling. With few exceptions, the questions and the complexities of Christian theology have been thoroughly explored and settled. Most challenges to Christian belief and morality leveled by cynics and skeptics have been answered. There is, however, this dramatic gap between the answers that are out there and the answers that so many Christians know. The result is that even absurd assertions, like the ones made in this new documentary, confirm the beliefs of the already convinced and convince many who should know better, but don't. In fact, the strangest assertion in the new documentary is not even this claim of mistranslation. It's the assertion that Christian opposition to homosexuality began somewhere around 1946. The opposite is, of course, true. Despite all the theological squabbles about all sorts of things between various Christian groups throughout all of church history, it's only been in recent days and only in a very narrow part of the Western world that anyone has doubted that the Bible rejects homosexuality. Christians believe that God has revealed himself in the world he made and in his word. And one of the reasons this issue has been so plain for so long is that both of those things, God's world and God's word, clearly tell the same story about the human body and about sexual morality. They tell the same story, in fact, because they are the same story. And Christians who know this will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of false doctrine or by every silly claim in a documentary. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org. John outside next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast through the afternoon. Some sunshine and clouding up again. It will be milder than yesterday and breezy with a late day rain shower for some. High temps, 40s. Then later tonight and tomorrow, variable clouds and snow flurries. Low tonight, 20s. The high tomorrow, 30s. The lake effect snow could leave some small accumulations in central New York late tonight and tomorrow. Several inches from Syracuse north through Oswego. Then on Thursday, partly sunny. High temperatures, mid-30s to the middle 40s. All right, Kevin, thank you. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Lots going on Tuesday, the 12th day of December. President Biden is hosting a joint news conference this afternoon with the leader of Ukraine, who's in D.C. for the third time since the war with Russia started nearly three years ago. Vladimir Zelensky is pleading with the U.S. for $60 billion in additional military aid. Ukraines haven't given up and won't give up. And we hope 
just as much to be able to count on you. Ohio Senator J.D. Vance says Zelensky's trip is a PR stunt designed to get Republicans to forget about the disorder at our own border. This is purely designed to apply pressure on Republicans to give up their fight on the border and write another blank check to Ukraine. To date, the U.S. has given Ukraine more than $113 billion. Now to the war in the Middle East. As Israeli troops attack Hamas across the Gaza Strip, calls for a ceasefire are intensifying and growing more urgent. Six international humanitarian groups issued a joint statement this morning warning the war is sending Gaza into an apocalyptic freefall. Correspondent Richard Engel. The U.S. House could vote tomorrow on an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. At issue is his alleged role in his son Hunter's overseas business deals. A just-released CNN poll out today shows Biden trailing Trump by double digits in Michigan, a key battleground in the run-up to the 2024 election. Well, you and I plan to spend about the same or a little more on Christmas this year year compared to last. That's despite inflation remaining stubbornly high. Experts warn, however, be careful about racking up debt because the bill always comes due come January. For the last two years, the government sent checks to help us get through the pandemic and to make sure we didn't go into a recession. For most people, that money's gone. And what we want to be very careful about is not to continue to do the kind of spending we did the last couple of years because now they're going to go on credit cards and now you're going to have to pay interest after the holidays. And that could really hurt because interest rates are up and your debts are going to be much bigger than they were in the past. Fred Floss is an economics professor at the University of Buffalo in western New York. A third person in this country has died after eating cantaloupe contaminated with salmonella. 96 have been hospitalized and 230 cases of this illness have been reported in 38 states, including New York and Pennsylvania. There have been five deaths linked to the contaminated cantaloupe in Canada. A couple of teachers are suing their middle school in California, the place where they used to work. The teachers were dismissed for questioning a district policy that required they lie to parents about students' gender identity. When we were told that we had to hide things from parents, I mean, I just looked around the room like, is this real? Is this, this is really happening? This seems crazy. This seems like the school wants it to be the parent. I received an email from the counseling office and it had a long series of names of students in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And it said, these students are now going to be referred to by these other names and parents are not aware. Lori West and Elizabeth Mirabelli both worked for a middle school near San Diego, and they both were placed on administrative leave for refusing to play ball with the district's transgender-friendly policy. A new Pew Research poll shows American teens ages 13 to 17 prefer YouTube over all other forms of online entertainment. Pollster Jeff Gottfried. For YouTube, we're seeing daily use at about 71 percent, whereas daily use among Facebook is much lower. YouTube is followed in popularity by TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, and X, formerly known as Twitter. Nearly half of the teens surveyed admit that their online, quote, 
almost constantly. That's double the amount from a decade ago. You're listening to The Noon Report, a Tuesday edition, right here on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Hometown Heroes on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster, and this week's guest is Craig Wheeland of Aim for Christ Ministries in Pennsylvania. His outreach ranges from the streets of Philadelphia to the poorest regions of Pakistan. He says his faith walk has been a roller coaster ride. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My aunt took me to church a few times when I was a kid, a little Lutheran church out in the country, and that was my only basic exposure, some Sunday school classes or whatever. By the time I was 12, I went through the whole catechism thing, and when we were all done, we took communion, and, and they told me I was a Christian. But by the time I was 13, 14, I'm stealing tobacco and drinking, so I'm addicted to tobacco and porn and everything in my mid-teens. There was no real change in my heart. And then in my mid-20s, I'm going through my first divorce after a little stint in the Army, and somebody sat down and went through the Romans Road with me and I asked Jesus into my heart and there was a change there. It was quick. I read the Bible hard for a few years but like the seed that lands in thorns, the cares of this world choked out that faith and I meandered along for the next 18 years. I still went to church. I looked a little better. I sounded a little better. Pretty much looked like everybody around me but I was really building my kingdom. My faith was in me and myself and what I could do and my wife and my kids and my job and my 401k and all that thing were like my little idols and then I go through another divorce in the beginning of this divorce and I rode my motorcycle off the road at 120 mile an hour without a helmet on and I lived. I was laying in a hospital. Somebody brought me my Bible. I started in Matthew. I made it as far as Matthew 7 and then he will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I'm going to say I never knew you. In that moment, I knew I'd been living a lie. Surrendered then in that hospital bed. That was basically the journey. Started doing missions with my church. I knew from the minute I started doing missions with my church going to Guatemala that this was a calling in my life. Retired a few years later from the prison system at 51 and my first three months after retirement, I drove a little pickup down to Guatemala, stayed down there for three months, looked down the barrel of a gun, like all kinds of things to just grow my faith. Like that was the biggest faith building experience of my life. Came back from there, bought a school bus and started running trips to Philadelphia. Just listen to their stories and let them know that we see them and share some hope with them as much as we can. I mean, there's ministries down there every day doing that for them. So for me, it became more about the people I took along from the church, getting the church out of the building instead of going to church on Sunday. We would go be the church on Sunday, put clothes on their back. When did I see you hungry and feed you? When did I see you naked and give you clothes? That's what it became for us. Those mission trips often have just as big an impact on the people conducting them as they do on the people they're helping. Oh, yeah. It worked for me in Guatemala. It was like a slap on the back of the head from daddy. I was miserable. I'm going through a divorce. I have no money. My life is falling apart. And I go down there and I see all these people who are choosing between medicine and food for their kids. And yet somehow they have joy and faith that I never saw in the American church. It was just a wake up call for me. a lot. Well, uh, I was trying to see more. <laughs> I believe there's a, a huge benefit to suffering and struggle. I'm going to Pakistan and it's hard. It's a hard place, the sights and the smells, and you're surrounded by 97% Muslims. But I believe there's joy and lessons to be learned in suffering. Tell me a little bit more about what's going on in Pakistan. So I hooked up with an organization called Missionary Ventures through the Christian Motorcycle Association. Went on my first mission trip to Colombia and I'm like, man, this is what I'm already doing because I was doing motorcycles in India. Last year with Missionary Ventures, we put six motorcycles in Mozambique, six in India, six in Tanzania, three with Missionary Ventures in Pakistan, 
Pakistan. When I went to Pakistan, I mean, you hear about slavery, you read about it, you might watch a YouTube documentary or something on it. But man, I sit there in front of these kids, the service, we go to the brick kilns and we do a little church service and the kids in front of me are bright eyed and smiles and, you know, they're kids. They got lots of energy and life. And then you look at the teenagers, the young adults behind them and that light's starting to fade, that joy is starting to fade. And by the time you see their parents sitting behind them, they're tired and they're distracted. They're working 14, 16 hours to make three, four or five dollars a day making bricks. And then by the time you get to the old people, their grandparents in the back, there's no life. There's no hope. There's just waiting to die. And it broke my heart. And I came home. I don't know nothing about starting a school, but all I can think of is those kids out there making bricks, no opportunity to go to school, prayed about it. I looked for other organizations doing it. Basically, I came up empty. So I got together with some friends. We raised a little bit of money and we're going to try and start a school and see how it goes. And one school might be 10 schools. Little mustard seed, little mustard, because I know nothing about a school. I got guys on the ground I hope I can trust, but I'm going to work with them and I'm going to trust God to help us and we'll see what happens. My goal is these kids learn to read so they can read their Bible, share their faith with their parents. And if that leads into a secondary trade school or something, then we've, we've accomplished that. But if they do nothing else but learn how to read their Bible and be able to love the Lord their God, put that in their heart, then I accomplished what I need to accomplish. Looking back at where you were and where you are now, what a journey. And the sad part for me is that 18 years that I, I'll call it played Christian. I went through the motions, had all the right answers. Man, if I would have got this earlier, how much more could I have accomplished for the Lord? That's Craig Wheeland of Aim for Christ Ministries in Pennsylvania. His outreach ranges from the streets of Philadelphia to the poorest regions of Pakistan. Please join us again next week as we search for your home, your town, your hero. It's Hometown Heroes on Family Life. What an incredible testimony. Thank you, Mark. And Hometown Heroes comes your way every Tuesday during the Noon Report or online anytime at familylife.org. Just look for the News tab on the podcast page. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. A call from will be crossing the area late today and this evening. Ahead of it, mild breezes for this afternoon mild for this time of year. Behind it, enough cold air to generate some minor lake effect snow. The focus will be late tonight into tomorrow across central New York. The California today through the afternoon, some sunshine and clouding up again. It will be milder than yesterday and breezy with a late day rain shower for some, high temps 40s. Then later tonight and tomorrow, variable clouds and snow flurries. Low tonight 20s, the high tomorrow 30s. The lake effect snow could leave some small accumulations in central New York late tonight and tomorrow, several inches from Syracuse north through Oswego. Then on Thursday, partly sunny. High temperatures, mid-30s to the middle 40s. Okay, Kevin, thank you very much. Finally from us at noon today, some do's and don'ts when it comes to decorating the home for the holidays. And of course, nobody did that better than this guy, Clark Griswold. You taught me everything I know about exterior illumination. <laughs> Thank you. But experts say you need to play it safe when decking the halls, trimming the tree, or just generally making the Yuletide gay. Dr. Jeff Schroff is an orthopedic surgeon and says falls off ladders are commonplace this time of year. Ankle injuries are common because they tend to fall and land on their feet. The severity of the injury really correlates well with the height of the fall. He also treats a lot of wrist fractures for when people fall and try to 
to catch themselves with their hands. Ever been there before? Well, both wrists and ankles are tricky to treat and take a long time to heal. Schroff says a good way to tell if you need a doctor is if you can hold your own weight. If you can't, go see your doctor. If you can, well, just walk it off. A handful of Advil, some ice, and rest should do the trick. And please, don't ever try to be a Clark Griswold. He only works in the movies, folks. And that's the world we live in, Tuesday, December 12th. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.